Welcome to IAOMS members around the world. This is Deborah Zabladil with IAOMS, and I am here today with Shahid Aziz, who is a, uh, an oral and maxillofacial surgeon, faculty at Rutgers University in the US. Um, I have so many questions that I'd like to ask you about today, and um, you have a, a prolific uh, resume, certainly, and CV, but can you talk first about what prompted you to want to get into OMF surgery and what was it that inspired you to do so? Okay, well, thank you, Deborah, for having me. Um, when I was in college, uh, by coincidence at Rutgers as well, um, I had the opportunity to meet somebody from uh, Columbia Dental School and uh, in the pre-dental department office and uh, he told me about a program where college students could spend a summer at Columbia uh, shadowing dental students and that sort of thing. So I, in the summer of 1990, um, spent five weeks at Columbia Dental School and I had the opportunity to spend time with Dr. Steve Roser who at the time was chair of oral and maxillofacial surgery at Columbia. I had the chance to watch him do some orthognathic surgery and some other things, and it really um, caught my attention, caught my eye, um, mainly because of the impact that he had on his orthognathic patients, changing their lives. And uh, at that point, I knew I wanted to go into the dental field and um, hopefully pursue a career in maxillofacial surgery. And so what was, your, what was the trajectory of your, uh, your education like from that point on? So uh, I was lucky enough to go on to uh, dental school at uh, Harvard University and um, subsequently I did my oral and maxillofacial surgery residency in medical school at Columbia uh, and my residency was under uh, Dr. Roser uh, as well as Dr. Sid Isaac and so I had the opportunity to really uh, work with one of my mentors, uh, Steve Roser, um, and that was sort of my game plan. So I was very fortunate how things played out. It sounds like that was a um, great fortune for you and, and it's led to a very fulfilling career. And, and to that end, um, you are now a full professor at, at Rutgers. You mentioned that earlier. Uh, what prompted you to go the faculty route and what do you love about your work now? So, you know, I think part of it is Dr. Roser's mentorship, part of it is my parents were academics, and so I always thought the academic career was something that would interest me. Um, the beauty of oral and maxillofacial surgery is that you could make it whatever you want it to be. And um, under Dr. Roser, I had the opportunity to really um, gain a vast amount of experience in orthodontic surgery. Um, and that was a passion of mine, and I realized that to pursue that, I would have to follow an academic career. Um, I was very lucky as well because Dr. Sid Isaac came on board during my chief year, uh, and he trained me in additional procedures, and um, Additionally, um, uh, Rutgers at the time was looking for a um, full-time faculty member and I applied and I fortunately um, was accepted and took that position and I developed a, a very uh, busy and active uh, orthognathic surgery program. And to, to 
17 years later, uh, we're one of the highest volume orthopedic training programs in the country, and it's really a, a, a joy to see how everything's evolved, and I feel truly blessed to, to be where I'm at. So um, you mentioned that you know long ago, you um, Dr. Roser was the one who exposed you to orthognathic surgery, and now you have one of the largest programs. How has that changed? How has the uh, the orthognathic surgery in general changed over the course of those years. Um, you know, I, I guess I can answer that twofold. So one of the reasons that academic centers are the centers of excellence primarily for orthognathics is because of uh, the financial structure. Uh, it's obviously much easier for a hospital-based oral maxillary surgeon to uh, take care of these patients. So. Uh, that's part of why I was able to build a very large practice in New Jersey. Uh, the other thing is orthopedic surgery over the years has now changed from when I trained to doing a lot of lab work, a lot of bench top, you know, models, model surgery, fabricating splints, to now virtual surgical planning, which has really, I think, revolutionized maxillofacial surgery. Now we can plan our surgeries uh, digitally which allows for precision and also saves us time uh, preoperatively and allows for, I think, a better result. Um, and so that one thing, virtual surgical planning, has really changed the face of orthodontic surgery um, in the U.S. Thank you, Dr. Aziz. I would love to ask you now about Smile Bangladesh. And this is a nonprofit organization that you started. Um, you are the president and founder. Tell us a little bit about the organization. Uh, so Smile Bangladesh was formed in 2006 um, through a bunch of like-minded friends from uh, Columbia, during my time at Columbia. And while at Columbia, uh, Dr. Roser took me on multiple trips to South America, specifically Ecuador, to do facial class surgery. And uh, that inspired me uh, to want to do something similar. And being from Bangladesh, I knew that there was a need, and through family connections, um, I was able to make connections in Bangladesh itself and create uh, connections with rural hospitals and NGOs in the country that I could start bringing surgeons from the U.S. to do facial cleft surgery. And that was originally in 2006, uh, it's now 2019, we've done uh, 23 missions treated uh, 1,500 uh, children and adults with facial cleft deformities for free. So again, uh, it's one of those things that I never thought would get to this uh, stage, and we've really been blessed um, to be able to do this. Um, we, we travel to Bangladesh every November and every March, and uh, you know, it's a really great experience. I'm, I'm happy that I'm also able to take residents and training uh, because I'd like them to be inspired just like I was inspired. So um, for those that are listening now that may think that they're interested in going on one of the trips with you and, um, and you know, volunteering their time, are you still looking for additional surgeons? You know, we're always interested in having um, like-minded surgeons uh, come with us, people who really, one, obviously have experience uh, with uh, facial cleft surgery in the States. Uh, because it's not medical tourism that we're doing. We are, we're going and we have a serious need and we have a serious uh, mission. So if there are um, you know, individuals out there who do 
uh, facial cleft surgery in their own practices and would like to join us, well, certainly we would welcome them because we're always looking for additional surgeries. Um, we're also happy to bring people who have a similar outlook on life, which is making the world a better place. And that's why we bring residents and sometimes we'll bring surgeons who are out of residency, but, but uh, they want to experience a medical mission and want to learn about how we do things so that later on in their careers, they may want to be inspired to do something similar, uh, as, whether it's domestically or internationally. And do you bring lay people on these trips as well? or uh, We have brought spouses and mm -hmm. children, uh, older children, teenage children of uh, some of the team members. Uh, we've uh, brought um, uh, a few of our um, family members as well. Um, and uh, a friend of mine who's a photographer has come uh, to do some uh, documentation of the work we do. So a lot of it depends on how big the team is and our, uh, where we're going and our accommodations and our site because we tend to go very rurally in Bangladesh. We may have limited resources, but we have brought non-medical people. Um, to do they experience. have a role? Do they have a role? There's plenty of work to do. Okay. There's plenty of work to do. Um, you know, we have, um, uh, there's a lot of work when it comes to setting up uh, our, our camps, um, setting up the supplies, uh, transporting supplies, and even uh, just going into the, the wards in the hospital and being sort of transporters and things like that. So there's always a uh, job to do. No one comes on these missions and sits around. There's always work to be done. Fantastic. Um, I want to go back to something that you, you were talking about previously, and um, you mentioned Dr. Roser a couple of times and that he was a mentor of yours. Okay. How important do you think mentorship is uh, for an upcoming surgeon? I think it's um, as important, if not more important, uh, to have a, a good mentor um, in one's career. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're an oral maxillofacial surgeon, another type of surgeon, um, or not in the healthcare field. Mentorship is key because you need that experience uh, a person to help guide you and make the right decisions um, and, and inspire you to uh, be the best you can. Uh, I think having a mentor or a role model is, is, is uh, uh, vital to having a successful career. And do you think the, the mentor finds you or do you find the mentor or a little bit of both? I think it's a little bit of both. I think uh, with me, I was fortunate to interact with Dr. Rose very early on in my career and then be fortunate enough to train under him. But I do think that because um, of my interest in things that he was also interested in, obviously orthodontic surgery and international uh, facial cleft missions, um, he, uh, I'd like to think, took uh, a little more of an interest in mentoring me um, to become who I am today. That's, that's wonderful. Um, we're going to talk now about, I just want to ask you a couple questions about um, what you've gone through in your career. What would you say is um, one of the toughest decisions you've had to make throughout your career? You know, I think for every academic oral surgeon, uh, it's not an easy career path. 
Uh, one of the issues in American oral surgery is that uh, academic oral surgery has a lot of benefits, um, but the lifestyle of a private practice oral surgeon can certainly be uh, a lot more uh, relaxing or allows that person to spend more time with their family. So there are days when uh, long days of surgery, um, uh, not seeing my children, especially when they were little, for days at a time simply because I would get up before they woke up and come home when they're asleep. You know, I, I often, you know, had a little bit of, of guilt about not being uh, there as much as I wanted to be for my family just because of my academic career. Uh, and seeing my colleagues and friends who were private practice oral surgeons who were able to spend more time with the family. Um, it's important to find a balance and I fortunately have a great family and an understanding family and um, they understand what I do. But I think for me that was the biggest challenge is really trying to balance um, my career and my family. I think anyone who has a busy academic practice probably faces that. Absolutely. And what about um, high point of your career? Maybe, maybe it hasn't happened yet, but thus far. Well, I think there are two things I think that were the high points of my career. One was um, at the 2017 AAOMS meeting being awarded the uh, Humanitarian Award. Uh, that was uh, really, um, for me, important because it was a, a recognition of all that Smart Bangladesh has done. <clears throat> the other thing was um, being uh, given an honorary fellowship in the uh, Royal College of Surgeons of Edinburgh, which is also uh, very few American oral surgeons receive that honor. And I was, uh, I think, the sixth person to do so and uh, uh, again, it's because of, I think, the work that's being done in Bangladesh and those, those two things that really are uh, mean a great deal to me. You can see why they would and um, what, what an incredible honor to receive both of them. Um, so Smile Bangladesh, that must be hard to run a nonprofit while you're a busy um, academic um, you know, running your department. How do you how do you manage all that? It's, it's again, it's a challenge. Um, I'm fortunate because um, we have uh, a couple people in the organization who uh, work very hard to help uh, keep the finances going, and do the fundraising, and things like that. Uh, we've also been very fortunate that there's a uh, relatively large um, Bangladeshi. Um, immigrant population in the states and we've had uh, the opportunity to do fundraisers throughout the US, uh, Houston, Dallas, St. Louis, uh, New Jersey um, with these uh, expatriate populations to provide us uh, funding. We have to raise about $100,000 every year. Um, but you're right, it, it's a lot of work. Um, I um, spend a lot of time in the evenings and on the weekends doing paperwork, logistical planning, um, you know, grant writing to support the organization. Um, but, you know, it's worth it. it it's, it's a passion, so, you know, um, nothing comes easy, but, you know, you have to work for everything. Absolutely. Dr. Aziz, what inspired you to 
start Smile Bangladesh? What was it that really um, drove your passion? So it was really started in honor of my uh, family and my father, who um, is originally from Bangladesh. And so uh, the opportunity to give back to my roots was very important and something that he wanted me to do. And um, I'm very happy that I'm able to do that. And uh, one of my other siblings, uh, who's a neurosurgeon at Oxford, he also goes back to Bangladesh to give back to where he's from. So that was something that um, uh, my father inspired both of us to do. So that's really the uh, inspiration for Smile Bangladesh. Wonderful. It seems like you, you started in 2006. It's 2019. Where would you like to see the organization at 10 years from now? So that's a great question. Um, interestingly, we are now evolving. Uh, we started as an organization that was dedicated to facial cleft surgery. Uh, we have been fortunate that in addition to facial cleft surgery, you know, a lot of cleft patients need orthognathic surgery. So uh, since last year, we started in conjunction with the Bangladeshi Association of OMS, um, a uh, initiative in developing orthopedic surgery in Bangladesh. Uh, I would say Bangladesh is probably uh, 20 or 30 years behind uh, the U.S. when it comes to expertise in orthopedic surgery. And it's a privilege for me to be developing that component of maxillofacial surgery in Bangladesh. Uh, we have um, uh, have done two symposiums and uh, the upcoming symposium we're actually doing live cleft orthodontic surgery um, in Dhaka um, and uh, the hope is that we'll be doing more training of both surgeons and you know hopefully 10 years from now orthodontics will be um, a much more common, common part of the oral surgeons uh, armamentarium Thank you, wonderful. Um, one last question, and that is, um, you are a member of IAOMS, and I'm just wondering, what does being part of the international community of OMF surgeons mean to you? How has it enriched your career, your life, et cetera? You know, I think being part of an international community of surgeons, given what I do uh, with lecturing with Small Bangladesh, uh, is, uh, near and dear to me. So it's a real honor to uh, be a part of IAOMS. It's a real honor to um, uh, be able to go to IAOMS meetings and meet uh, colleagues from around the world, share ideas. Um, we've had multiple uh, uh, seminars on facial cleft surgery or thinathic surgery at the IAOMS meetings, most recently the one in Rio, uh, that really I learned a lot. Um, I think you can learn a lot from your colleagues globally, um, not just clinically, but also uh, spiritually. They, they bring a lot of different opinions, mindsets, um, and uh, uh, attitudes to the table, and I think you can learn a lot from that. You know, the, the world is becoming more and more interconnected with one another, so I think um, it's becoming more and more important internationally that we all connect with one another. Um, you know, and, and for me personally, being uh, 
an immigrant from an immigrant family to the U.S. So, and my my parents actually um, worked for the World Health Organization. So as a child, I moved around quite a bit globally. So I sort of had a global uh, interest. And um, again, the world is becoming much more connected. I think the opportunity is there to really uh, benefit by learning what each of us do. And, ultimately uh, for the betterment of our patient population. That's a, a great inspirational thought to end on. Uh, Dr. Aziz, I really appreciate your time today and you making time to do this podcast with us. Um, this is Deborah Zabladil as part of the IAOMS podcast series, signing off. Thank you once again for listening to the IAOMS podcast series. IAOMS members receive additional benefits such as access to the IJOMS, educational resources, reduced rates for conferences, and more. To join or renew your membership, please visit www.iaoms.org. Keep up to date with our weekly podcast by following IAOMS on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest news. See you next week.